Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Today is titled, I am a child of God. Father is pleased with. Who you know in life can take you a lot of places. It can be quite unfair if you know somebody and it gives you an advantage. But there is one name only that when you know this name, it takes you past eternal judgment and restores us with the Father, the one who created us, God. That name is Jesus. Jesus is the most hated, debated, and celebrated name in all of history. Before I came to faith in Jesus, his love was pursuing me. But one of the things is that my eyes were opened more. I remember thinking, it's kind of odd that we can sing and talk about every other God but the name of Jesus. One time I was speaking at an after-school program. And the week before, they had all different uh, religions represented on a panel, but Christianity. Now, maybe that was by chance. But when I, before I was getting ready to speak, they were like, yo, I love you. Just can't say Jesus. I said, hey, I was a Christian at this time. I go, you invited me. They go, the mayor's here. I was like, I don't think the mayor cares that much. He was checking on us. He was texting a bunch of people. And I was like, I don't know if the people care that much, but I just gave a little zinger. I heard you had a religion panel. I was like, just don't say anything about Jesus. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm good. It's, we're fine. And we talked about God's love, and we were very respectful and reverent because we didn't have to say Jesus to still be like Jesus in that moment. But I think the principle is very interesting. Why is Jesus' name so threatening? I get it. It could be a myth and a mirage, and of all people, we should be the most pitied. But we actually have tolerance for so much. I believe in People being able to make their own decisions. People having information and access. And we, for the next month, this year we have decided is a year of roots more than ever. Putting our roots down and our fruit will be found underneath the ground. That if a storm comes, our roots will be in Jesus. And our roots will be in each other. And our roots will be in the land where he's planted us. And in May, we get the opportunity to put our roots down in the God-man, Jesus. And wherever you're at in the Jesus story, I'm first speaking to those who are followers, but secondly, I hope that there's an invitation because Jesus calls you by name. And there is a lot of misconceptions when it comes to Jesus. Now, people have been coined with using this phrase, and the argument isn't perfect, but it's a good framework for us. It's, is Jesus a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? 
A misconception of Jesus could be, well, isn't this a white man's religion? No, white men have used and abused Jesus, but that's not who Jesus is. He's not a white man. Sorry. But I assume if you're at City Life, you're already cool with that. Because whoever typically has the power controls the narrative. And we will oftentimes project God where our own experiences or where bias, our biases. And, you know, when it's a statue or a painting, it might look like how we want Jesus to look. But Jesus, I'm convinced of this, would make every single one of us uncomfortable. And there's a misconception when it comes to Jesus that, well, in the name of Jesus, a lot of people have done a lot of wrong or harm and abused power, too, through advancing in war or territory, uh, governance. Well, that's a misconception. That's false um, of who Jesus is. Jesus is a king who rode peacefully to his death on a donkey, as a lamb, to sacrifice for the sins of mankind. So in no way, shape, or form, we've had to talk about this with our kids when it, they were like, what about the Crusades? Because in the name of Jesus, there was territory taken. Now, I don't begin to understand all the complexities of war and um, good government versus evil government, and, and is there overlap? And um, But I it is quite obvious that Jesus took his throne very different than how we want to, and specifically in the Crusades, that we could have a bomb or, um, in that time, uh, weapons and shields that bore crosses. Jesus' kingdom is not one that we take by force. It's one that we actually let go and give away, that we pick up our cross daily. So, yes, those are bad examples that should be denounced, but it still leads us back to, that's not Jesus. So it was a cool conversation because with our kids, for every bad teacher or a bad person you dated, it doesn't mean all people, all teachers, or all universities are like that. So though there's been very hypocritical examples of who Jesus is, Jesus, I think, is big enough to defend himself as Lord. So may we strip past whatever is causing us to stumble and let's get right to who he is. Who is he? He's Lord. John 1 records now instantly the, because I'm, I'm okay with, you came last week, you're like, man, he was preaching a lot differently. He was talking about, being caught up in his, I think he was on drugs at one point and Jesus saved him from a bunch of stuff and he was kind of loud and running around and there was, there was like rap music in the gym. And yeah. Both in. But speaking to a skeptic today a little bit, instantly I could, I, I wonder, okay, well, preacher, you're going to use the Bible. Yes, I am. But I think the Bible is so beautiful that once we open it, it's God's word, it's alive. 
that as God allows us to see and hear, we start to realize in this, in this text is not just information that people have used and abused, but is a living, breathing, all-powerful display of how God wanted to reveal himself to us, and ultimately a love letter to get us back. So the good news of Jesus is that the tomb's empty. The bad news of our sin is every one of us are dead in sin. No one's better than, no one gets in except through Savior. So the claim of Christianity is quite unique, and John's gospel does a beautiful way of talking about Um, how Jesus existed before us. So look at John 1. It said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Which one is it? Truth or grace? Yes. His name is Jesus. Unlike you and I, some of us are prone in this room to be really good at letting somebody know what you know, shoving truth down somebody's throat. Then others, really gifted in grace, but they're one and the same in Christ. Same coin, same person dwelling among us. This language is the continuation of how God would show up through his people, using Father Abraham, the children of Israel, that what separated them was the presence of God that dwelt in the tabernacle. And that would move as they moved and God's spirit was removed because of our uh, constant wanting to grab control. And then eventually, God continues to Make right on his promise, because he doesn't lie. Here comes Jesus, who existed in the very beginning and dwells among us, tabernacles among us. And then John's gospel continues, um, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit of the claim of why Jesus is so controversial. Well, John 5, 17 through 18, it says, Jesus responded to them, a crowd of religious leaders. My father is still working and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father making himself equal to God. Liar or lunatic or Lord. And then in John 8, the Jews responded to him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan? That skips ahead to chapter 8. Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus says, I don't have a demon. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and judges. Truly, I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. 
Then the Jews said, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? This is a fair critique. And the prophets died. Who do you claim to be? I glorify myself, Jesus answered. My glory is nothing. My father, about whom you say, he is our God. He is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. But this time, Abraham had been dead for thousands of years. What? What's going on? He saw it by faith. Then the Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, truly I tell you before Abraham was, this is a big moment, I am. So they picked up stones to throw it at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. Those are some of my favorite moments. Jesus was hidden. Jesus is, he just kind of mysteriously gets out of there. Supernatural moment. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites, I am who sent me. What in the world is going on? Well, that's out of Exodus 3, 14. And what took place there was this. Jesus was tying in the God of the Old Testament, saying he's the fulfillment of it. So his claim is absolutely insane unless he is the Messiah. And one of my greatest reasons to follow Jesus is how the followers of Jesus responded after they believed to have saw the risen Jesus. They were willing to give their life for it. Let's be honest. I love you. You love me. I hope. We're not willing to die for each other like that unless it's maybe in the name of Jesus. We're not willing to die for our job. We're not willing to die for something unless you really, really believe it. They did it peacefully. Uh, Church history records that when Peter was crucified, that his wife went first and he yelled, remember Jesus. And that he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. He wanted to be crucified upside down because he was unworthy to even relate to Jesus. Now, that, if true, wrecks me. But the thought is still true. Even if it wasn't true, it still wrecks me. I believe Jesus is worth everything. Fear not him who can harm the body, but fear God, who after the body can bring judgment on the soul, our spirit, our real body. One day will be resurrected that God is coming here to make all things new. And he dwelt here through Jesus. This is the claim. Who is this Jesus? All right. Take a deep breath. 
only going to go for about uh, 10 to 14 more minutes. That's just my intro to who Jesus is. Jesus, we talked last week, rose from the dead. Today, we looked at who Jesus claimed. He said he claimed to be, I am. I am being that he is the all eternal, all knowing, all powerful, alpha and omega. He exists over everything, not contingent upon any action. He just is. Him and the Father are one. This is a mystery because naturally we want to figure everything out logically. Well, I have come to grips with my limitations. I use many scientists believe 8 to 12% of the brain we maximum use. I'm okay that I can't teleport. I'm okay that gravity holds me down. I'm okay that even though I can ask the all-knowing existence, like why are we here or who created God or what's going on, but yet why do I even believe that I'm deserving of that? I can't solve world peace. We can get to space, but we can't have peace on earth. So something happened where I concluded that there's something wrong in the world and we need help. Does God care? Well, he, he, he must care because he sent his only begotten son to suffer as we consider the Christian claim through Jesus. Now, would we want it to happen like we want? Yeah, absolutely. But it's really a beautiful love story of family, a father-son outside our perspective of time and space that God is seeing all this generational story as one. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Scripture teaches that a day is but a thousand to the Lord. And as we've studied space more, they're realizing there's other dimensions and uh, that even black holes might be a portal to another place or that, that time is different in different atmospheres. This is hard to comprehend when I'm trying to shove a cheeseburger down my face at lunch. But yet we, 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 we do boast a little bit, like, but God, show me real. Well, look, 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 look. It, 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 it's not how small in the universe we are. The universe is a display how big God is, and he is big. And the fact that deity stepped down to be with us, this is so beautiful. I had a friend of mine, and he is, I believe, in heaven. He believed in Jesus, and he's no longer here. And he would say this. He goes, even if I didn't believe in Christianity, this is the best story I ever heard. He's like, if I'm betting on anything, I'm betting on that one. But I think we got to strip past all the rules, all the rituals, and we just got to get to Jesus. And so that's what I encourage us to do. Unlearn, relearn. If the fulfillment of all the scripture is in Jesus, Old Testament reading is absolutely critical. But it all is displayed in the person, God, man, Jesus. So today we will look at how God talks about his son, Jesus. It is so neat. 
and we'll go, Mark's gospel is condensed. It kind of gets right to the point. So if you've been wondering, just get to the point. Okay, this is Mark's gospel. This is right off the jump. So let's go Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. As it is written, Isaiah, uh, the prophet, see, I'm sending you my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying in the, out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am, is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. This is the coolest moment of the Trinity. The spirit, the Father, and the Son. And watch what the Father says. A voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. I believe this is one of the most fundamental places. This is, this is understanding the cornerstone of our faith. How so? Because... God's talking about Jesus before he's ever accomplished one miracle, before he ever went to the cross, before he was ever raised from the dead, before the Holy Spirit was sent to empower us to be witnesses to the world. Before all of that, he said, that's my son that I love and I'm well pleased. We can't even begin to fathom this because everything we do, we have to do something for others to be pleased with us. We have to earn love or it's conditional. This just is. Parents, you get it. You love your kids, right? But you just love them for who they are because they're yours. This is a love story. And so today it's like, I am a child of God when I'm in Jesus. So the position of Jesus with the Father influences me. So in some ways, Jesus is a family story and ultimately a love story, a father, a son. Psalm 68, 5 says, God is in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless and a champion of widows. For those that don't have parents or don't have uh, good parents that they can relate godly love with? Insert God of the universe. And what's the purpose of Jesus? You know, the last two verses in the Old Testament in in the way it's grouped together for most of us in our 66 books of it, the holy book, the holy Bible, um, is Malachi 4, 5, 6. It says, look, I'm going to send you the prophet of Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. 
But notice there for a moment what's underlined. God is in the restoring business. He'll restore all of the fallen effects of sin, period. And we get the beautiful opportunity to do that through his spirit now, heaven and Lansing. Plant water, um, do our best for the glory of God everywhere we go. Heaven in the 517, heaven in the world. Um, carrying the kingdom of God everywhere we go. But the kingdom of God, as it, it, when, when all things new is, is, is on and popping, I mean, the streets are going to be paved with gold. There's going to be colors unthinkable. No more tears, no more sickness, no more sorrow, all amazing. But in the very dish is baked the greatest family story ever that God is restoring the hearts of fathers to their children. If you've had a tough relationship with your dad or you don't even have a relationship with your dad, the heartbeat of heaven is to restore father with their children. Now, Mother's Day well, is just a couple weeks away and that will be so important. But I think we all know that a mom's role is vital, but so is a father's role. And have we ever seen, or like, let me put it this way, most of the stories we've seen where someone had a bad relationship with their dad, it plays out in life, doesn't it? it plays out in our life. It's humbling. But insert God, because now I, I want to lead us as we get ready to close. I want to call the worship team here. I want to lead us. I don't expect this to be a closed and, you know, here's three steps to do this week. I think this is a lifelong journey. I think some of the best things we can do as uh, leaders or facilitators is a better picture is to lead us to wrestling, lead us to discovery, lead us to questions, lead us to more thought, but Look at Mark 1.11. Um, before we do, let's focus on posture and position. What's the posture of God? Well, he's over this voice from heaven. And what's the position of God? Well, he's over this in heaven, but what's the posture of the son? Jesus is just being. And he's being and he's, and he's getting loved on by the father and He's getting approved by the Father. And God is saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So what is taking place here is Jesus is God's beloved son. God is well pleased with Jesus. Okay, elementary stuff. No, this is beyond mastery. I don't even know if I'm scratch and sniffing this stuff. You know, when you get the book, scratch and sniff, Grape, whatever, back in the day, for anybody that you remember getting books like that, scratch and sniff, it happened. Scratch and sniff the gospel, and we were like, yeah, I get God's love, I get God's love. No, 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 we are conditional people. God's love with his son is just is. It's the very nature, it's the very connection, and he's pleased with Jesus. This is so neat. Well, I'm sure you get where this is going. Well, Galatians 2.20 says this way, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. 
but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You'll be hard-pressed to read the scriptures and not see the greatest love story in all of history. You'll see judgment. You'll see disobedience. You'll see mankind constantly rebelling against God. You'll see God uh, bringing wrath. But you'll see he's very slow to anger. And like a good father, he gives many, 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 many warnings. And so finally, because we couldn't figure it out, we couldn't perfect the law, we couldn't save ourselves, the greatest rescue happened. God loved us enough to send his only son, Jesus. And when we put our faith in him, this isn't Easter Sunday only. When we put our faith in him, we no longer live. It's Christ who lives in us. So if it's Christ who lives in us, track this, if you've struggled with doubt or sin and all, you know, the weight of the world and the devil's nonsense. Well, if you're in Jesus, God is pleased with you. Well, don't I have to do something? Well, yeah, of course. But if you don't understand how you've been bought, we won't do it right. And we won't even want to. Because if you feel like you have to do something, who wants to? I'll tell you who's past that. Our generation of our children right now. Tell them they have to. They won't want to. Because I said so. They're like, Psh. all right. I got an Uber outside waiting for me. A what? Don't you come back. I got a YouTube channel that's making money. I'm on the metaverse. It's gone. Because rules don't lead to obedience. Jails are filled with people that broke rules. It's love that leads to obedience. So friends, Jesus is how we can say this. I am a child of God. One that the Father is pleased with. Just soak that in for a moment, would you? I don't know what happened last night. I don't know what happened on the way here. It's been a while since we've rode together as a family in the morning. I'll drive the car separate. Crystal will come with the kids later. But when we come together, man, it, it is, it's like war. Because get up, come on, did it. You know, it's hard to get all people going in one direction at one time. We all got different expectations and I'm coming and I'm trying to get my soul ready and the, it can feel heavy and then you get here and you're, it's hard to believe. Wait, that felt so hard and heavy, but yet that's just a lame, silly example to say the pressures, the expectations, the sin, the things of the ups and downs in our life, 
don't change who you are when you are in Jesus. When you are in Jesus, you are a child of God that the Father is pleased with. And when you're not in Jesus, you're actually still a child of God that the Father has sent Jesus to call you by name, to say, look at what Jesus did. That's how I can be pleased with you. So it's his robe of his life that covers us. It's his blood sacrifice that washes us. It's his body that was broken for us. It was his resurrection that gives us life. But friend, I would plead with you today, and even if you've known Jesus for a long time, will we lose our lives for the sake of Christ? It's worth it all. He's Lord. He's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. And that's what we not only celebrate, but we want to live. We just want Jesus. I want Jesus for my family. I want Jesus for my life. I want Jesus for my kids. I want Jesus for our schools. I want Jesus for this world. He's perfect. He's beautiful. And when we don't know how, we just got to cry out and say, I know who. And when we worship, it's a weapon. God, just you. You can sit. You can kneel. You can weep. We're going to sing the name of Jesus over every situation in our life. The Lord and the Messiah, the I am, the one that the Father loves and is pleased with, and the one that I'm in, that when you put your faith in him, that you're in too. So sing boldly. Sing without shame. Sing without condemnation. Sing as a child of God in whom the Father is well pleased with. Thanks be to Jesus.
church for a while you've been a part of these services people get baptized and it can kind of be formality but baptism is a public declaration that I no longer live it's not based upon what I can do I'm not defined by my sin but I'm brand new alive born again in Christ and so I love the greatest uh, example of baptism Jesus I get baptized Jesus don't let me twist your arm. Don't let grandma tell you. Don't let some, Jesus, okay? So get baptized. Come. Go public for Jesus. You want to dedicate your children next week. Bring your children. Dedication is a way to say, kids come from you, God. They're a blessing. I can't do this on my own. I need your guidance. And God, I also say yes to try to lead them like you. Eat some humble pie next weekend. Dedicate your kids. Because it's actually for parents and guardians. As much as we ask for a blessing on our children. And lastly, when you're leaving this place and online, you can sign up for a group. Jesus would preach to large crowds. But it was always fleshed out, life on life, together small going through the struggle the ups and downs to not only learn but to live it like an apprentice to work alongside so we pray you'll sign up for a group there's many different options you can find one that fits your schedule and can I be bold for a moment if it doesn't fit your schedule at all like discipleship you don't have to do a group at City Life but maybe we should start changing our schedule in light of who Jesus is. I love you enough to say, hey, our spirit life is infinitely more important than our physical life. That's important too. So I pray that we'll say yes to more. And we would love to do that together be here next week it'll be a party like no other party as we celebrate baptism 10 a.m and 11 30 all races all faces and all ages you belong here we're going to keep loving this city one life at a time and we won't stop until jesus christ himself comes back the alpha and the omega the king of kings the lord of lords every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and he will make all things new have the best day of your lives
listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.